Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. So if you was with us last week, we started this new series called God's on Film. And this whole, the whole premise behind this is that we're extracting biblical truths out of movies that we see every day, and we're exposing the main person in our life, and that's God. And Jason, he kicked us off last week, and it was all about a whisper. It was about hearing God through the whisper. Maybe not through the fire, or maybe you know, not through the storms or the chaos of our everyday life, but it was that whisper. And he spoke about how Elijah, Elijah heard God, not in all of the crazy things, but in that still, small voice. And it was that whisper, and it changed Elijah's life, and it can change your life. And so today we're doing week two, and it's God's on film. And this whole week, or this whole day, we're going to be kicking it off and talking about one thing, and that's life changes. Because that's what it's all about, is life changes. What does it mean to you? Have you experienced it? Have you ever had that moment where your life is going one way, and then all of a sudden it dramatically just turns, and you pull a 180, and you start heading the other way? Have you had that moment and anybody be able to witness it? That's what we're talking about. If you have, that's awesome. We're going to keep striving and keep pushing towards Jesus because that's what it's all about. If you haven't, I pray that today God can use this in some way to maybe figure out why maybe that life change didn't happen. So everyone say this with me. I'm going to say it first because this is our, our theme, our theme verse type slash thingy for today. And is this is if we change our hearts... We change our lives. So, we got that? Y'all are going to, I'm going to say it. Then you're going to say it. It's going to be really cool. It's going to work out. I promise. Ready? So, here it goes. Fun set off the court. It says, if we change our heart. Change our heart. Yes. I'm not too good at that, but we're learning. So, we'll get it though. So, I'm going to say it one more time. If we change our heart, we change our life. Yes. Yes. So, I hope today that you can leave all your baggage um, all of your emotions, all the stuff that's been going on in your life. I hope that you can leave it at the door, all your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups, all of these things. I pray that you can let Jesus and His Spirit work in our lives today so we can really see what this life change is all about. Because let's face it, whether or not it was last week, two weeks ago, a month ago, or two years from now, everyone in here at some point has wanted to change their life. And by change, I mean that, that moment where, where we get serious about God, where we change what we care about, and we start focusing on Him. Everyone's had it. And so many times what I've seen is that when it gets down to the nitty-gritty and we start wanting to change our lives, we start looking at us first. We start saying, what can I do to fix my life? You know, instead of looking to Jesus where it's at. See, for about a year and a half, um, I worked at Lincoln County Jail. I know you may not believe that because I'm not the a brute or anything, but I did. I was a deputy there, and I survived, so it was good. We had this saying, you know, it's uh, all guts, no guns, so I really enjoyed it. But through my time there, God got to show me a lot of stuff about people with some real hurts, with some real real hang-ups. And through this time, I really seen that, uh, you know, people would come in, I would catch them talking, and they would say, you know, I swear I'll never do that drug again. I'll, I'll I'll never steal. I'll never get myself in that position, or I won't hang out with those people. And I hear them saying this, and it's really good that, that they're having these thoughts, but the problem is they, they're out away from stuff. You know, they get pulled out of society, and they have time to change their mind. They get, they get their mind cleared. You're sitting there with nothing to do. You have time to think about what you've done, and it's all up here. You decide that you're going to change your life. And like I said, from my experience, it didn't really work out. Because so many times, so people, they were just right back in. Week, month, two months later, they'd be right back in the same doors, 
because, like I said, it's not that through our own strength that we can change our heart. It's through Jesus. Because we can't change our life only through Jesus. I got this verse. It's Ezekiel 36, 26. I don't know if it'll be up behind me or not. There it is. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. God is saying to you that He will not clean up your heart, not clean up your life, but He's going to give you a new heart. He's going to put a new spirit in you, new desires. He's going to change what you care about if you just let Him. That's what it's about. It's about having that heart change because when you have heart change, you have life change. But until you have that heart change, you're just living life and following your own desires. So that's really what what we're going to be focusing in on. Because Jesus can and does change the hearts of everybody. The only thing is you have to want it. Jesus changed the hearts of the good, the bad, the rich, the poor, the needy. Jesus can change your life. And God can transform your life and give you a story. But it's all only when you come to the point in your life where you're willing to make that change. Where you're willing to have that heart change. And like I said, there's something about seeing that. About seeing that person that may be far from God and their life just, just pull that 180. Or maybe to relate it to you, that person that, you know, they've been on this diet and they walk in, you're not seeing them in a couple months and they've dropped 40 pounds. It gets you pumped. You're like, I'm going to start doing that. I, I, can, I can run, you know. Next morning, the alarm clock goes off. You say, I'll run later, you know. It gets you excited, though. And the same thing happens when it comes to your, your heart and your spiritual life. When you see that person far from God, and then the next moment they're on fire for Him, out doing crazy stuff that's complete opposite of their character, that gets you excited. That makes you want to really focus in and get serious with God. I've seen it. I've seen it in my life, and I've seen it in others. And so today, I know so far we've uh, just talked a little bit about a, a, you know, just a couple, a couple things, but... We're going to be continuing on with this and with some movie stuff. But I just want to take just a quick second just to pray because it's going to ask God just to be with us this morning again. So, Jesus, I just thank you so much just for allowing this opportunity to get up here and to speak. I just pray that uh, just as we, as we keep moving today that your spirit would work in our lives and that you will be glorified and we can just center and focus and point towards you. So in Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, like I said, we're going to be continuing on with this movie stuff that we've been talking about. And in my opinion, a film's not great because of, you know, per se, whatever, like action roles. It's not great because of all of the, the, the fire or the, or the crash scenes. What makes a movie great is when you see that character throughout this story, you see them have that change. And i got a couple examples. If you're from the Stone Age, you're going to know this one. He's doing this... This move, he's, at, he's in space, he has lifesavers. He's got that one hairy dude who makes that noise. He goes like, like that. He knows, he knows Shrek right there in the front. But anyway, so there is that. The story is the story of Star Wars. And in this movie of Star Wars, it's all about these two people, mainly Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. And along this path, Darth Vader has this heart change. And I didn't really know this before because I hadn't watched the movie, but I tuned in and learned this. Because at one spot, Luke, when he was down, he was getting attacked by the emperor, and Darth Vader had a heart change, and he steps over, he picks up the emperor, and pitches him over this edge, and he falls to his death. So I don't know why. Maybe it's because we all know Luke and Darth Vader are fathers and son. There's that infamous line, Luke, I am your father. So that may be why, but we're not 100% for sure. 
but he knew he had a heart change. And then the next one is for some of the younger people in here. It's a story of a guy named Gru, and he has these three little girls. There it is, Despicable Me. I love that movie. It's heartwarming. But it's all about this mean scientist. He's this evil villain, and along the way, these three little girls end up in his life on accident. And it pretty much changes him. In the beginning, he's this evil villain, but by the end of the movie, he's taken on the role of being a dad. He had that heart change. And so, so many times, like I said, we rely on ourselves. And today, we're going to really dig in because thus far, we've talked about a couple movies. We've talked about uh, a story I had from jail. But I want us to get to some truth, so we're going to get to the Bible right here. So if you grew up in church, I know you probably know this story already. And it's going to be the story of Saul's transformation to Paul's transformation. But I just ask that if you've seen this before, or read it before, or heard about it, that you kind of leave your preconceived notions out so we can look at this through some new light. And so I'm going to set us a little background before we begin here. See, Saul was this, this young, aspiring student, and he was out trying to be this Pharisee. And the word Pharisee, you know, if you've heard it before, it's 99% of the time, um, you know, a bad word. You don't want, if somebody calls you a Pharisee back in the day, that, that, that was pretty bad. But in this instance, I want to use this word Pharisee as like a key, as like a tool to look into the heart of Saul. Because, and why, what I mean by that is that deep down, Saul wasn't a bad person. He wasn't out uh, trying to, to cause trouble or to be a bad person. He was out doing his best to follow God in the only way that he knew how. And that was in this jacked up religious system of the day that was going on that everybody was being trapped in. Now, I don't mean that Saul was right in what he did. He, out, he killed Christians, if you know the story. He persecuted the church. He was, he was out against Jesus is what he was. But all I'm saying that is in his heart at that time, what he was doing was right in his own mind. And what, where we really pick up with Saul is where this new movement was being, uh, you know, was happening. It was this movement with Jesus called the Way, or the people that follow Christ. And Saul's background, what he knew is that the Way, it went against everything that he believed in. It went against the very, you know, the thing that he'd studied for for years, the thing that he was aspiring to be. It went against it because there was a man out there that was claiming to be God. And for, for Saul, that, that was blasphemous. And by that, if, you, if you're not into you know, Jewish law and stuff, the word blasphemy is pretty much, it's a death sentence. It's when you get a group of guys, 20, 30 people, they pick up some big rocks and they start chucking them at you, and then you die. I mean, that's just the way that it works. You know, they just hit you a bunch and you quit breathing and, and it's done. So it was a pretty serious charge. And Saul found himself deeply rooted in this religious system. And so he was out and it had consumed his life and it has changed his heart and what he cares about. See, Saul was in this dark place, and he was blinded by the truth, and out living this life of religion versus living this life for Christ. In this dark place, it leads us to this spot in Acts. It's in the book of Acts, 7, 58 through 60. And this right here is what it says. It says, they dragged him out of the city. They're talking about Stephen right here. And it says, and they began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell to his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. When he had said these things, he fell asleep. So this was a scary place that Saul's heart was at. He was at this spot that the guy right in front of him was one of Jesus' main followers of the time. He stood there in, to the point of death. Like that's how much he believed. That's how much he, 
you know, was really serious about God. That's how much his life had changed. That he sat there and let them stone him. And he didn't just, you know, fight back or anything. He just told God to forgive him because they didn't know what they were doing. And Saul's heart was growing deeper and deeper and deeper into this hate. Because we see in, in uh, chapter 8 here that it says that Paul approved of this stoning. He wasn't there, you know, as a bystander watching. He was there. He was approving of it. And now, what really got me was to think that at this point, the guy that would later on write over half of the Bible of the New Testament that you read, he would tell over half of the known world of that time about this guy named Jesus. And he one day, you know, would end up giving his life to Christ. That's crazy. That that person is one of the people that we looked up to as an icon today in our walk with Jesus. That's just a crazy thought. So I know like to bring this into us, I know that you know people like that. I know people like that. It may be you. You know the person that is so far from God or doesn't want anything to do with God that if his life was to change and he was to walk through the door right now, about this half of the room would be diving under the chairs. Two or three guys would be grabbing some fire extinguishers because they think the place is about to burn. Like, you hear people say that. I mean, I used to say that. You know, I can't go to church. The place the walls would fall down. I said stuff like that. So that, that is true. And is it good that we think that way? No, it's not. But if we're honest, it might be that probably because we lack a little faith and we're really doubting what Jesus can do when they get in someone's heart. Because Jesus can change anyone's life. Now, earlier, you know, we talked about Despicable Me. We talked about Star Wars. But I got one more movie for us because it goes hand in hand with this and it's my favorite movie. And I'm going to give you a hint. He hated a certain time of year that we all celebrate. He didn't want anything to do with songs. He hated anything to do with Christmas cheer. He's a mean one. He's the Grinch. That's right. The Grinch. And see, I know that uh, we've heard the story of the Grinch, but I just want to recap. It is the picture of the Grinch. Without ribbons. Hang on a second. Yeah, don't play the video yet. Appreciate it. All right, so before we play the video, I got one more thing. So anyway, I want to give us some background on the Grinch here because he goes hand in hand with the story of Saul. The Grinch was this person that hated this certain type of year because as he grew up, he was made fun of. He ran, he went and fled to his mountain, and there his heart grew colder and colder and colder. And when he looked down on the town of Whoville, it just made him mad until finally one day he'd had enough. And he set out that he was going to stop this day once and for all. And that's what he did. He accomplished his mission. He went out and he stole all the presents from town. And in his mission, and so he was coming back up the mountain the day of Christmas morning. Light was rising up and he was watching down on Whoville. And as Dr. Seuss puts it, this right here, it says, And the Grinch put his hand to his ear and he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow. But the sound wasn't sad. Why the sound sounded merry? It couldn't be so, but it was merry, very. He stared down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes. Then he shook. What he saw was a shocking surprise. Every Who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, were singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came somehow or other. It came just the same. And the Grinch, with his feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without... Packages, boxes, or bags! And he puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. 
then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas. He thought. Doesn't come from a star. Maybe Christmas. That's a good movie. That's what makes it kick butt, though, for real, is whenever you see the Grinch's life do that 180. He was that guy that hated Christmas, and he completely changed who he was, and later on in the movie, he actually went back out and saved it. And so, like I said, it goes hand-in-hand with Paul because we're about to see this change. See, because like I said, if we change our heart, we change our lives. If we change our heart, We change our lives. And life change is not possible by a 10-step plan or something you read on Pinterest. Life change only happens whenever you change your heart because where your heart's at is where your life is going to be. What you care about is where you're going to end up. And that's truth. So like I said, this movie does go hand-in-hand with Paul. His life did the 180, and Paul's life's about to do a complete 180 right here in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. It says this right here. It says, Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, he went to the high priest and asked him for the letters to the synagogue in Damascus so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Now, I want to stop right there real quick just for a second, and we're going to continue on with it. But Saul, last time we seen him, he just now stoned Stephen. And you think seeing somebody, like think of it in your way. If you've seen somebody like how we have all of these shootings and things happen these days. If someone walked in here and they were to say, stand up if you believe in Jesus, I'm going to, you know, it's going to be the end. If that was to happen and you didn't believe in Jesus, but you witnessed someone's faith that to the point that they stood up, wouldn't that do something to you? It didn't to Saul. See, he did the complete opposite. He started this rage. He set out to go get permission so that not only for Stephen, but he could go out and he could kill He could persecute. He could imprison all the other people that were following the way. And then it goes on this right here, but he doesn't make uh, make it that far. And he says this right here. It says in... Next slide. 
As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He says, he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? It was a question. Saul asked, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Then the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. See, so right here at this moment, at this very moment on the road to Damascus, is where religion met Jesus. All of Saul's baggage that he'd had before, all the stuff that he grew up learning, all the stuff that he was trying his best to do to be close to God, all of that literally met God. Because God stepped down and He spoke to Saul. And what's going to happen is it's going to change his life. See, I couldn't imagine what must be going through his head at this time. Because, I mean, the dude was out killing Christians. Next thing you know, he's blind talking to God. I mean, I'm, I would be afraid that I was about to get zapped or something. But I know he felt shame, regret, confusion. You know, he was confused. All that work he did was for nothing. And I, like I said, the whole thought of what goes around comes around. And I know some of us, we felt that same way. We felt shame. We felt regret whenever we've come face to face with Jesus because he's seen our sin. And that, that's truth because he's no different. Saul here is no different than us. He's just a person that's telling the story about his life changed with Jesus. So, but at this moment here in verse 8, we know where Saul's heart is at because he got up and he went. See, Saul, if he didn't believe, just like before, he would have stayed down. But he got up and he went. And he started to share his story. And how big of a change did that make in Saul's life? Because he had a complete heart change here. Because he didn't just barely go into it. I mean, the guy was blind and got up and went. And he had this heart change. And it wasn't a change over four years. In this very chapter here, it finishes out by Saul being in the synagogue, preaching and teaching and sharing the story of heart change and how he got his name changed because now he's Paul. He's no longer Saul because he's not that old person. All that bad stuff that he'd done before, Christ had forgave. And like we've seen before, he gave him a new heart. And he's a new person. He has these new desires. And this right here, Acts 9, 20 through 21. It says this, it says, At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who were hearing him were astonished and asked, Isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem? among those who call on his name. And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? So pretty much, this was such a quick transaction here, a change in Paul's life that the people didn't even believe him. They thought it was a hoax. You know, they thought if if I go to the synagogue with him, it's just going to prove that I'm a Christian. He's going to arrest me there. So all of this stuff, it happened and it happened fast. And it's crazy that God could use someone like Saul because he can. Because see, Jesus... It doesn't matter to him what kind of person you are. Jesus can transform your life. And the reason I know this isn't because of a story I was told. It wasn't because of a religion I grew up in. The reason that I know this is because Jesus changed my heart. It's personal. Okay, Whether he changed anyone else's heart in the world, I know he changed mine. And because he changed my heart, he changed my life. And he gave me a story. And I want to share a little bit of you, but since we're talking about movies, I'm going to share it in that form. Uh, See, if I had a movie about my life, minus the one fact that David Hasselhoff would have to play me as lead role because he's the only one that has this form, you know. But besides that, 
I'm being serious. But besides that, besides that, I hope that people that were around me during this time, I hope that they could see this life change in my life. I hope they could see my heart change. I hope that along this way, they didn't have to have, uh, you know, titles or subtitles or the little, you know, words at the bottom. That they, It was so evident that they could see it. Because, see, my movie, it wouldn't be as crazy as a, an episode of Cops or Locked Up. I wasn't that bad of a person, per se. You know, not necessarily. I didn't get caught up in that kind of stuff. Because not all people that go there, trust me, I know I work there. A lot of nice people. It just happens. It's where you're at. But I wouldn't be seen on a, on a series of uh, Jersey Shore or uh, what's the other one? Oh, Party Down South. Yeah, I wouldn't be on that one. Because I partied, but I wasn't that crazy. You know, I was the redneck, but I didn't do all of that stuff. But my life wasn't that crazy, and it wasn't as crazy as the transformation, per se, of Saul to Paul. I wasn't blinded. But God gave me a story, and I want to use it because I know that someone out there needs to hear it. And see, my movie, I'm not going to share my whole, uh, my whole, you know, three-hour, three-movie, and three-trilogy. I'm not going to share all that. I'm going to share, like, a little bit of highlights, just a couple little clips from it, because I don't want to be here all day, because I like to talk. That's true. That's true. But anyway... So in my story, uh, I was age, you know, 16, and up until that point, if you asked me what I believed in, I would tell you it was N.A., you know, not applicable, because I really didn't give much thought to it. At times when I would get curious, I would think, you know, is there a God, or who is God, or, or what is out there? But then at other times, I was, I was perfectly content that there was nothing, because I hadn't seen anything crazy happen in my life. Now, I did grow up in Kentucky, so I was exposed to church. You know, we were in the Bible Belt. But I didn't have too good of a church experience growing up. Uh, my family, you know, we really didn't go to church when I was younger, but we actually, we decided to go. And we was there for about three months. But you know what it's like when you get around a group of adults, gossip, stories, hurt. Hurt happens. And that's what happened to us, was my family got hurt by the church. And my family did what hurt people do. They quit going. They stay away from that situation. And that was my experience with church up to this point, was just seeing the type of people that went to church and not wanting nothing to do with it. And uh, two weeks ago, we were down at this conference with some of the youth here, and the guy hit it on the head when he described exactly the kind of people that I've seen. He said that there are two types of Christians, and they're the jokes and the jerks. You see, the jokes, those are the kind of people that would be at church every Sunday, every Wednesday night, every Bible school but then Saturday night, they'd be out at the party with me. Or they would, you know, be over here doing this. Or any time we hung out away from the church people, they would be using God's name, but it wasn't, it wasn't the same way. You know, they'd be doing it a completely different. They were being two-faced. And I seen that, and I was like, that stuff's fake. You know, I, I, I just seen right through it. It wasn't real. They didn't have that relationship. And the next one was the jerks. And I know you know these people. They're the people that are holier than now. You know, those people that look at you, oh my gosh, look what that guy does. Can you believe he does this? Mainly I use a woman's voice, I'm not being sexist, but that's, that, that tends to be where I go, I'm sorry. But anyway, those kind of people, they really made me mad, you know? And like, as a Christian, you would want to like sit there and pray for them, but I just wanted to punch them in the face. Like, I just wanted to knock them out. Because it made me so mad. And what made me even better than just watching these people was about once or twice in my life, I actually got to see the people that were holier now, like their secret sin come out. Like their dark sin that they kept in the closet. Like it came out and it made my day. Like I was just, I was like, yes. I was so happy, which is bad. 
But anyway, so going back to my movie real quick, though, just take that as a warning that no matter where you go, no matter if you're the best speaker, you're the best you know, person at breaking down the Bible, if you're involved in everything, there's someone out there every day that's looking at you to see Jesus in you. And you may be the only Jesus that they ever see because that's a big part of my story because I've seen Jesus in other people. So I just want you to take that as a warning. Now back to my story. So as you get older, life starts to happen, you know. That's just the way that it is. And for me, life really happened around the age of 16. Um, I had three house fires in a year. Uh, my dad was deployed to Iraq and returned home from Iraq two years later. And uh, it was about six months after my dad getting home from Iraq that he was diagnosed with brain cancer. And so it really just put me at this spot where I was at the bottom. <clears throat> I was at the bottom of this pit, and nothing around me looked good. See, because for the first time in my life, me and my dad, we had this relationship. And it wasn't because my dad was this bad person. I never needed for anything. My dad worked his butt off. But see, my dad was young. I was, my dad was 17 when I was born. So he had a lot of growing up to do. And it took him that time, you know, to realize what's important. And when he went to Iraq and spent two years there, he had some time to think, some time to prioritize, some time to have some heart change. So when he come back, we got to spend time together, fish, hunt, hang out, talk. And all this stuff was going on. But see, at this point in my life, it really just brought it down. Like I was so upset. I was mad. And at this point was the first time that I really, truly gave up on God. Like there was no God. You know, if God could allow me to have this much hurt, to have this much pain, I don't want nothing to do with that God. And that's what was going on in my mind. My dad was going through surgery and stuff. And my mom's like, you know, we got people praying. And this is not at all boasting about what I did. This is just to show you how bad off I was and how far off I was. I stood in the kitchen and flipped God off and said, you know, F you, God, if you're real, kill me. And my mom, she's not even religious, but she was hiding because she was, you know, superstitious lightning bolts is what she was thinking. She was thinking that that was about to happen. But see, for me, it really took this moment in my life for me to get to a spot where God could talk to me. Now, did God cause my dad to get brain cancer? No. No, my dad was probably born with that. Uh, Did God cause my house fires to happen? No. But see, God is powerful enough to work in your life in those bad situations. He doesn't have to cause them because bad stuff in life's going to happen anyway. But Jesus is your constant. He can be there to walk with you. And that's what happened to me. See, I didn't have this crazy life transformation per se, but I had a heart change. And that heart change led to my life change. And it didn't come from reading a book that I didn't believe in because I didn't believe in the Bible. I had so many people thump me with the Bible growing up. They'd say, John three 16. I'm like, well, show me it. Don't tell me it, you know. It made me so mad. But I had this. But it was up until this point that really the people that Jesus had in my life I didn't even know of, but I seen Jesus in other people. And that's why I come to end up having a relationship with Jesus, was seeing the love of him in other people. Because I knew that those people were no different than me. They had hurts, they had hang-ups, they had their own problems, but they showed a love for me that didn't exist in a corrupt person's heart, you know? They had a love that could only come from something else. And that's what it took. It took me to getting to this point so I could really change what I care about. And that's what happened. See, I let Jesus in, and he changed what I cared about. Jesus entered my heart, and it changed my life. You know the saying, when Jesus enters a house, he changes everything. When Jesus enters your heart, he changes everything. He changes my desires. 
He changed what I strive to do. He changed what I care about. He changed the way I looked at life. Like he really did. He gave me a new outlook. He gave me that new heart. And I had it. Does that mean I'm perfect? No. Am I a perfect Christian? By all means, no. I don't even think I'm, you know, a a really good example of what a Christian life should be. But does Jesus walk with me every day? You better believe it. Does Does he love me? Yes, he does love me. And so I just want you to know this, that I was this person, you know, and my life was going this way. I didn't believe in God. I didn't know God. But yet God loved me enough to the point that he pursued me even when I wanted nothing to do with him. And he pursues you if you're here today and you may not want nothing to do with him. Or maybe you know who Jesus is, but just that relationship's not happening. It's just not where you want it to be. So, but right now in my life, I know this. I know a couple of things. I know Jesus is my constant. He's my rock. And for everything I do, I always look to Jesus. Because Jesus changed my heart, and that changed my life. So I'm going to get Jaden to come up in, in the band. And I just want to take a minute just for really, for us to, to take a, a second to stop and think. I want to ask you this question. Where's your heart at today? You may be here today and your heart is on fire for God. You're pumped. You're seeing God everywhere. You're seeing God work miracles in your life and that's awesome. Do what we do. We keep centering, keep pointing, keep living. And because if we do that, we may be able to encourage someone else that's watching us. Because that's what it's all about. That is truly what being a Christian is, is to have a relationship with God so powerful that it can be seen through you without anyone ever asking you about it. That's what you strive for.